We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Manny Diaz Show. Joe Zagacki alongside University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz and my broadcast partner, Don Bailey Jr. This week, the Hurricanes are home against Pittsburgh. 12 o'clock kickoff at Hard Rock Stadium. Last week, the Canes were in Death Valley in a tough one, Coach, on Saturday night. Uh, the number one ranked team in the country, uh, they looked every bit the number one ranked team. What were your thoughts when you when you look back at it? Yeah, obviously not our best performance, Um I do think our guys played with great effort, and I thought we competed and battled until the end. Uh, but we simply made too many mistakes to be able to um, compete against a team of, of Clemson stature. And, um, and, and obviously their, their best players played like their best players. I mean, you, you can see why we said that Travis Etienne is, you know, maybe the best player in college football, and, and Trevor Lawrence, everybody knows about him. So you got to give those guys credit. Um, but it's important for us to bounce back and, and, and self-analyze of, you know, each individual performance and uh, and find a way to improve off of it. Coach, you were burdened by a ton of penalties and of course you had some giveaways as well. What's your breakdown of that after you've had some time to analyze it? Well, we went as a team. We actually looked at every penalty as an entire football team and um, you know we classify them in um, different categories. There's, there's pre-snap penalties, there's during the play penalties, and then there are, are post-snap penalties. And really, um, you don't like any penalties, but you can live with the ones that happen during the course of the play. I mean, that's that's the game, right? Um, the ones that we can avoid are the, are, the, are the pre-snap ones. We had way too many of those. And then and then some of the post-snap ones where you get into some of the, the back and forth. So our guys saw that. They, they know how much that hurts us. Um, and a lot of it really just comes down to, to attention to detail um, and, uh, and doing the little things right. Coach, one of the big keys, uh, and we knew this going in, was, was third down. And early in the game, the first half, uh, third down was in their favor. What makes them and what made them so difficult to defend on third down? They're going to throw the ball to number nine on third down. <laughs> I mean, the whole game plan, I mean, it was all about stop number nine on third down. And uh, um, they did a better job of getting him the ball than we did stopping it. That's the bottom line. I mean, I mean, the, the matchups, you know, they did some nice things in the screen game to crack the player that we had designed um, to, to take on number nine or, um, you know, getting some an offense lineman out in front. Again, I mean, they, you know, they know, right, they know too that he's so important, so they were going to do anything possible to try to get him going, and uh, um, it did. It, it created some big conversions for him. 
Coach, Miami's offense was faced with a moving defense, to, to describe it as plain as I can. A lot of odd front, but there was never just three guys coming, or rarely, I should say. No, yeah. they, they were coming from everywhere. The most movement, really, I think we've seen all year. Yeah, they um, they were in a three down, but they were really in a four down front. They took, they took an outside linebacker, and he just basically blitzed off the edge um, you know, every play and just chased down the running back, and then they kind of scraped the guy for the quarterback right behind him. Um, that's not unusual. I mean, those are things that, that, that uh, you've seen. What really happened is um, our inability to get on the field defensively in the first couple of drives kept, you know, kept our offense off the field for such a long period of time that you really didn't even know what their plan was. Hey, is this something they're going to run once or twice, or is this going to be kind of their deal? And, and um, the way the game started, how often Clemson was able to possess a football in the first quarter kind of made it difficult for our coaches on offense to really figure out what exactly they were facing until we almost got halfway through the second quarter. They did eventually do a good job. Uh, you mentioned the outside, and they did a uh, really good job on the perimeter. But I also thought they dedicated a lot of resources to De'Ara King, kind of paid him a compliment and said, our eyes are going to be on, on Miami's number one. Yeah, there's always, you know, we've talked about it, there's multiple ways to try to get after a um, – a quarterback with the talents that Derek has, you know, you can try to drop everybody and have a spy. You can try to, um, you know, or bring a lot of people and just sort of surround him and try to uh, take away all of his escape lanes. And that was an option that they chose. And and there's a plus and there's a minus to that. I mean, that you can also create um, the more people you send forward. Obviously, if he can get through the line, he had that long run in the second quarter. Um, we were disappointed in the way we protected at times, um, and it was it was. It was a great example of guys trying to do too much. You know, you get into a game like that, and what happens, you see it like in basketball, you know, you hear the expression playing hero ball. Uh, we'd have a lineman that would see a linebacker, you know, coming on a blitz and decide, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go help out on that guy as well instead of just doing your job, trust the running back to pick up the linebacker. And really, if everybody just picks up their guys, there will always be a natural escape lane uh, for Derek to scramble. So some of that... Um, caused the jumbling in front, which really kind of kept him hemmed in the pocket. Coach, three phases in the game. We're kind of hitting on the offense and defense, but your special teams, nothing less than spectacular. I mean, there was a few things on punt return with Restrepo, obviously, with a young guy in there. But being able to block three uh, field goal attempts, and then uh, your kicker did a great job, and then Hendley was was on point all night long. Yeah, uh, our net punt was fantastic. Um, you know, you, you mentioned Restrepo. The first one, I don't know if not people know this, but the first one, they touched the ball. So he could actually pick the ball up without without any penalty of the team. The second one was a little, you know, of a, a freshman moment that, you know, he, he will not have again. Um, but as you mentioned, uh, for as poorly as we played in the first half, the, the blocked field goal and the return for a touchdown, it really gave us a chance. You know, we had the ball. We, you know, we were getting the ball to uh, start the third quarter down 11. We don't score then, but then we get the turnover. We're still down 11. So really – it had this feeling. We were very optimistic on the sideline that, that you know, no, even though we had not played our best half of football, um, it was a game, and we were in it. And, uh, and, and ultimately, you know, eventually let them, you know, pull away. But uh, we, we had our shots because of what we did on special teams. Uh, maybe one of the big parts of that was you're down 21-10. They, they love to dominate the final four minutes of the second quarter and the first four of the third. You got the touchdown to end the half and then got the turnover to right. start the third quarter but couldn't parlay that into points. Yeah, that, we call that the middle eight. That's a big deal to us as well. And, um, you know, I think there were three really key moments of the game. I think obviously the fourth and four where, you know, we should have intercepted the pass, but we, get, we, we line up offsides. Um, 
the third and nine where they get called for holding and then Lawrence scrambles and we get the targeting, which at the minimum, you know, would have been a third and 19. Those are their first two touchdowns. So that gets us, you know, those are possession downs, should be two back-to-back stops, um, worst case scenario, zero, zero. And then, okay, it, what happens, happens. We get it to 21-10. And then I think the point you just mentioned, we get the turnover. We've got the ball in their territory. We've got some momentum, you know, the block kick. Now the turnover, the sidelines really into it. And, and we throw the interception. And I think that was really, that was the moment uh, to put some pressure on them, you know, get it to 21-17, shoot even 21-13. Let's make it an eight score, you know, an eight point game or one score game. So, um Ultimately, that those are the, the moments that you have to have in a game like that. You know, you got to play well to beat those guys. There's a reason they haven't lost in a long time, and certainly we didn't play well enough to, to do that. You know, Manny, when I think back about last year and some of the struggles that your team had, this team did not give up. They didn't buckle. They were in it for the full 60 minutes. And that's a big accomplishment, in my opinion, from where it ended last year to where you are just in week four through this season, that these guys are giving you everything they've got on every single play and not ever getting discouraged. Yeah, they play hard for each other. I mean, they really do. Uh, I, I think we just have a great character of, of player on our team. And, and I get it. It's college ball, and it's easy to think of a story that you know is linear from last year to this year. But we see it. I mean, look at some of the teams. You know, look at LSU and the, and the start that they had compared to where they were a year ago. Teams change. Just the nature of college football, you know. Teams change from week to week, at times. But um, but we do have good leadership in the locker room. You know, we do we do have a, a connected team. But we know that that is tested every week. And and Pitt is a team that's going to test that. I mean, it doesn't. You know, there's no letdown. There's just a play, a really good opponent coming to Hard Rock Stadium this weekend that we've got to be ready for. I wanted to ask you about the the targeting uh, and ask you this way. Um, he the quarterback is six foot six in pads and running. He's like six foot eight. And the University of Miami is not the only team who's had a player ejected trying to tackle him. Uh, Ohio State lost their All-American defensive back in the first quarter in the semifinal game. Uh, both times, and he's a big strike zone, both times you hit him low and lost two players. And they're also maybe in the rules should be built in. Uh, a player has to take care of himself a little bit. He's, he's six foot six. He runs upright. He presents himself as a huge target. Yeah, well... We, look, we know it, at University of Miami, we're never going to teach anyone to lead with the crown of their helmet. That, that's, that's, that's for our safety. Forget about who we're hitting. I mean, we don't want the, you know, anything to happen to that guy either, but we're definitely going to try to protect our guys. And we know hitting with the crown of our helmet exposes us to injury. So that's never taught. It's never encouraged. Um, I will say that defensive players are obviously in a, a difficult bind. Yeah. Um, you know, Keontra is free on a blitz, and right at the moment of truth, everything is telling you lower your target to not get what to not get targeting. And uh, so he hits him in the belly and I have a hard time remembering the last time I've seen a player ejected for hitting someone in the belly. Um, And yet here we are. So I get it. You know, and again, I, I, I I never saw a great replay and there may be one that exists, you know, did he really hit him with the shoulder or the helmet or whatever, but, uh, but it's harsh. And then one more point, and I've said this before, but it's, 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 I'll, I'll say it every time I have the opportunity it would be so simple to make a targeting one and a targeting two. Okay, that's not that play should not eject the player, right? Right. The play we want the player ejected. The receiver coming in the middle and the guy launches and, and and tries to you know run through the guy's head. Like we've get, we've pretty much have gotten that out of our game, which is a great great thing. Um, but that that play is not that. You know that that, that it, it could be a foul. We can discuss whether that should be a foul or not. Um, but there's no way that that player should be disqualified, not just for that game, but for the first half of another game. I, I can't think of a rule in any other sport as punitive. 
for something that is just a a play. I mean, in the NBA, right? We don't want to become the NBA, but in the NBA, that you know, you know, the violent act or whatever, um, a non-basketball act. I mean, counters just tackling the guy, so right. it, it's unfair. But that's that's the rules as they're as they're meant to be enforced right now. Maybe the health of your team, a, a hard-fought battle, night game on the road. You come back and everybody everybody's tired and sore. But how's the health look for the pit game? Yeah, I mean, we should be pretty good. You know, I mean, we're obviously during the course of the week, we're always going to check with our trainers and see what, um, you know, what they have to say. But, um, hey, listen, one thing we knew, and this is not just with us, playing 10 straight in the conference, um, it's going to be a war of attrition, and depth is going to really matter this year, not just for Miami, for everybody, and you'll see it all around college football. So, um, um, number one, we want to keep our guys healthy, uh, obviously keep our guys COVID-free, and hope to have all of our guys available uh, Saturday at noon. I wanted to bring this up before we go to break for a conversation. You're a big Heat fan. Uh, they they uplifted the community. Uh, we saw Jimmy Butler uh, be pushed. By the way, I think Bubba Bolden's your Jimmy Butler. Um, but how do you explain to, to kids, uh, you're going to this Pittsburgh game now. This is what life is about. You get pushed, right? You're going to get pushed in life, whether it's Don selling carpet, uh, us doing radio. You're going to get pushed in life, and that's kind of the exciting part of of, uh, of life when you get challenged and pushed and can you figure things out? That's exactly right. And, um, and, and it comes down to having a standard, right? And then once you set a standard for performance, um, then in a weird way, the opponent doesn't matter, you know, and, and the setting doesn't matter. We're just going to play the way we play. And I think that's part of the reason why the Heat did so well in the bubble. Because whether you play the Heat, um, you know, in a, in a jam-packed American Airlines arena, it would have been great to have game six at home. But, um, but, you know, those, the, the culture that they have, um, that's a hardworking team that's going to play hard for each other if they're playing on a, you know, on a parking lot somewhere. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just the, the, the way the Heat have defined themselves. So we, we understand at Miami that we're going to get everybody's best shot. Clemson played a lot better against us than they did against Virginia, you know. Right. Um, so we've got to play to our standard every week. And the only way to do that is you have to prepare to our standard every week. So it's important that our, our Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of preparation matches um, Clemson and every other, other week because we keep, there's no big games, little games. That's what we've fallen to the trap at Miami. You know, that's just a, another ACC team. You know, the, these are the teams that Miami has struggled with because uh, at times not giving them the respect um, that they deserve. Okay, it's Miami and Pittsburgh coming up on Saturday, 12 o'clock at Hard Rock Stadium. It's a big game for the University of Miami. We'll talk more with University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz right after this. But first, let me talk to you about one of my favorite subjects, Williamson Cadillac. Williamson Cadillac has been a part of Miami's unique community for over 52 years, and Williamson Cadillac serves this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here because Williamson is Miami. Ed Williamson is the lightful wife, Carol Williamson. I was down at the dealership the other day, got myself a uh, XT4, and if you want to excite your senses, Williamson's got one of the premier lineups you will find anywhere. Williamson Cadillac has the award-winning lineup. You can make a statement in their unmistakable XT crossovers. Engineered to stand out. The CT series, power and speed. It's dynamic. The CT4 is dynamic. The CT5, power and speed. Find the perfect ride for you at Williamson Cadillac. How about the original icon, the Cadillac Escalade? You can check out their state-of-the-art facility, conveniently located at US1 and 104th Street, just south of the Palmetto Expressway, or 
View their entire lineup online at williamsoncadillac.com. Stop by, look for Ed Williamson, tell him I sent you. Williamson Cadillac is your premier luxury dealership because Williamson is Miami. On the home of the U, AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM, driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Back on the Manny Diaz Show, as we continue, Miami and Pitt coming up on Saturday at 12 o'clock. Joe Zagacki, Don Bailey Jr., uh, Coach, I did mention Bubba Bolden in the last segment. I said he's your, your Jimmy Butler. He's got blood all over his face and a blood coming off his nose, 10 tackles, a couple of blocked field goals. He really does look like uh, he enjoys playing the game of football and just wants to be in on every play. He does, and, and, he, and thank God he does because he about wasn't on every play. I think he played about 90 snaps <laughs> in that game, which is really remarkable. Um, and... There are so many plays of Bubba to be proud of, but I'm telling you the way, the effort he gives um, on special teams. You know, he's on our punt team. He's sprinting down the field to cover a punt. Uh, the guy gives everything he has for the University of Miami, and um, it's neat. You know, sometimes you don't know. People talk about the the transfers uh, that we bring in, and 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 sometimes you can bring in the wrong people. You got to bring in the people that that want to be here for the right reasons, and they want to help Miami. You know, I mean, they can help themselves, but they want to help Miami, and and. And Bubba's a guy right now giving everything to, to help out Miami, and, and we're much better because of it. I mean, I think the amazing story behind him is two years ago he's not playing football, right? Last year he comes in and has a, a major injury uh, after playing a couple games. And this guy, now you see why he had the five-star rating coming out of, coming out of high school. And, but I, I, don't, I don't think anybody expected the amount of effort that he puts forth on every single play. Right. Well, and, and to be quite honest, we didn't know because, right. like you say, I mean, this is – you know, what is that, eight, 19, 18? Got to go back to 2017 where, where this guy really played a lot. That's a long time. So I think he's just getting better every week because he's getting more comfortable just playing in the game every week. And, and so watching him, you know, get more and more confidence. He knows what, what, you know, what we're doing. He can play both of our safety positions, which is enormous. And then, you know, when Amari got, you know, kicked out of the game and, you know, Brian Balaam has to go into the first half in Death Valley, holy cow. You know, Bubba's getting him lined up and, and be able to communicate to the secondary so we're all on the same page. So he, he is really invaluable to our defense. I was going to say, you did have two freshmen play a lot. Brian Balaam had to go in, and Corey Flagg, a linebacker, did a nice job for you. Corey did a very nice job and, and did not seem out of place. Um, both he and Brian, you know, you know, Brian in some coverages had his eyes in the wrong place, but in terms of just running around and tackling, um, you know, those are really, really good football players, highly recruited kids at Clemson's playing with at every position. Um, he didn't look out of place anywhere. And, and then Corey, I think one of the first plays, Corey had one of the harder plays on a middle linebacker. They ran an outside toss with Etienne. He had to beat a block, get in the alley, and makes a great tackle on, on Etienne. So, you know, here you are. You're, you're, you're real, you know, one of your first real actions in college football, and you're tackling maybe the best running back um, this year and maybe in the last few years. So uh, great experience that will only help them going forward. Manny, some of that confidence has to come from the 545 strength and conditioning <laughs> program in the morning, uh, the fact that they are confident in their plays. I mean, I don't think that people realize there are plays called on defense or assignments that you have on defense. And I, I think that their ability to play early is because they've gotten confidence all from the practice field and everything that comes with it. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and that's always the hardest part with young players. We, you know, we have some players in the sophomore class that aren't playing as much as we wish they would. And that's where, you know, missing spring ball was just a big, big deal. So the guys like Corey and Brian that are, that are very instinctive, um, you know, very mature and, 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 and have a, a great ability to learn things quickly are the ones that get on the field, some of the ones that have big-time futures but just need more reps, and that's okay. There's been great, great players here and everywhere that have been you know, similar to that. Um, losing spring ball really hurt their development because you just need to get in the game in scrimmages and make those mistakes and understand, and, and then off you go. I mean, we, we even our training camp wasn't as, uh, you know, practice as many practices as you had in normal training camp. So, you know, it's it's funny. We get in the season and, and it, it all feels normal. There's still nothing normal about 2020. And um, and we're just lucky that we're, you know, we're playing games every week and I'm proud of our guys for giving us that opportunity. Uh, Pittsburgh's coming in here. They've lost the last two games, basically the last play of the game. And uh, probably would turn any coach's hair gray. They kick a 58-yard field goal to go to overtime, then miss an extra point. Uh, I know no sympathy even down yeah, that road with kickers. But they don't allow you to run. It's like 60 yards a game, 58 yards a game. Paris Ford's a really good safety. Uh, Rashad Weaver's a really nice defensive lineman. Uh, Pittsburgh's defense, the challenge there is what? The challenge there is great. Um, I know this is a big deal for you, Joe. If you look at their – and Don, you look at their depth chart on defense and just look what class their players are in. They are filled with redshirt seniors and redshirt juniors. They have fourth- and fifth-year guys in their program – all over, they're too deep. They're very old. They're very experienced. They've seen it. They've seen it all. Um, their defensive ends are better than Clemson's defensive ends. Their safeties are better than, than Clemson's safeties. I mean, and and, Clem, and Clemson's got really really good players. But I, that's how highly I think of, of Pitt's guys. They are uh, very very disruptive up front. As you mentioned, numerically, they're going to put as many people as they can fit um, as close to your line of scrimmage as possible. And they're going to play tight man coverage on the outside. And they're going to dare you to throw it. I mean, that, it's. You know, Pat Narduzzi has been a great defensive coach since his time at Michigan State as a coordinator. He believes in what he does. They know the issues. Um, sometimes they give up big plays, but sometimes they don't. And when they don't give up big plays, it's hard to stay on the field against them because there's never any easy offense. And uh, if you think about the games we've played against them the last three years, they've generally been low-scoring affairs, mm-hmm. um, a lot of back and forth, you know, and um, you know, and, and it's going to be a game where everything's going to matter because when you get an opportunity to make a big play, you've got to take it. Coach, their offensive coordinator is Mark Whipple. He was at the University of Miami for some years, and he's a wide-open guy, was with uh, Big Ben and the Steelers and has been a head coach, very experienced guy. And and Pickett, their quarterback, he doesn't seem like he's afraid of anything. He'll take any chance. He'll run it. He'll do whatever there ha- whatever has to be done to win a game. Yeah, he's, he's tough as nails, competitor, um, our fourth time going against him. You know, so, again, we, the, we talk about experience again. Um, they got a very experienced offensive line. Uh, where they're where they're young is actually where they've got some more exciting talent. They've got they've got some speed at wideout, maybe more than they've had um, in the last couple of years. So um, yeah, I mean, anytime you've got a fourth year quarterback, an older guy who's, who's been there and seen it all, he's a guy that the whole team can obviously rally behind and trust. And and uh, but they are designed to not have to get a whole lot of points to win the game. They don't you know they don't want to get into you know forty four to forty shootouts. You know you know Pat's very comfortable winning the game you know, 17-14, which he thought he was going to do a year ago. Even a year ago, you know, he thought they were, they were going to win the game 13-12 to 12 or whatever it was before we scored there at the end. So um, it's, going to be, it's going to be an immense challenge for our guys, and, um, you know, and, and, and it's going to be a game. It's ACC football. Here we go. Yeah, you have to imagine they come in 
with a bit of desperation and, and really not only desperation but the sidebar story now as we get into the middle of October because of the way the ACC set up this year it, it looks like NFL standings you can look right at the standings and see where you are and uh, I think this is going to be a real dogfight all the way through the year. It's going to be a dogfight and you're going to see it in every conference around because um because the majority of schedules aren't fluffed up with, with you know, some easy right. non-conference wins, you know. So every, every week you're going to play someone that can beat you. And um, so there's a great challenge every week, and I think that's going to be it, – it's, it's, it's great for neutrals. It's great for the fans, you know, because you're going to see highly competitive games um, all around the country every week. And, and um, I mean, you know, if you look at our schedule, we're, 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 we're right there with them. I mean, I think maybe, we're – go ahead, Donna. One, one of your challenges that you brought up right after the game about – understanding the importance of this game, meaning Pitt, and the understanding of a North Carolina state. It doesn't have to be an LSU or a Clemson or Ohio State. That Miami's, Miami has got to understand that you have to handle each week accordingly, accordingly and each opponent accordingly. Right. So you know who, you know who Clemson loses to? Pitt. <laughs> no, 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 but they have lost to Pitt, but they lose right. to top four teams. Right. Top four teams are hard to beat. Right. right, they they probably should have lost the semifinal to Ohio State, and then they got beat, you know, rather handily by the number one team in the country a year ago. It's hard to beat the number one team in the country, but the way you become a top four team is you beat all the other teams. Right, right, and if you get really good at beating all the other teams, then sooner or later, then you get into that game where you're, you know, you win those games against the top four, top five. Now anybody can pull something out every now and then. Of course, we're we're working our way to that, but um, you know, greatness is defined by being consistently good. You know, and, and that's really, I think, our challenge for, as a football team this year is, is, you know, greatness is out there, but greatness really means, you know, that same really good, consistent effort uh, week in and week out, and that's what we're striving for. You know, I thought, and probably shouldn't go into there without being mentioned, it was a tough night statistically for De'Ara King. But I thought from a competitive level, I thought he was really fighting hard all the way through. You would know – being on, obviously being on the sideline, but I thought his, his uh, competitive fight was there throughout the entire game, despite a lot of obstacles, and that's got to be a good sign to the rest of, of his teammates. Oh, my gosh, yeah, absolutely. Well, the guy's a warrior. And, you know, we, we, you know, we gathered together right before the fourth quarter started, and we said, okay, listen, obviously this is not our best performance. Let's put something on tape here in this fourth quarter that we can be proud of uh, going forward. And... Um, Derek in the first ring offense, you know, their last drive together, they went right down the field and scored a touchdown, uh, which was important. You know, he, he had some really brave runs on that drive, you know, including the touchdown run. And, um, and, and when, you, when your leader is like that, everyone else has no choice but to follow, right? When your leader starts to look a little worried and, you know, maybe not into it, well, then everybody else is going gonna, is gonna to follow suit. So I got to give a lot of credit to Derek and our leadership on defense as well. I mean, those guys – wanted to stay, they wanted to fight, and they wanted to, you know, um, play all the, as hard as they could all the way to the end. Manny, you didn't have a ton of seniors uh, on this defense. There's a nice mix of players, but Jafari Harvey is a young guy, came in, got about five or six tackles, and I looked at, I was, we were doing the game, I'm looking at, I see a, a young guy, a young guy, a young guy, and we, we talk about the linebacker position with the youth that has played there too. The benefits down the road of these young guys getting into this game and, and that biggest stage will, will pay off. Of course it will. There's no doubt. And, and I think the great lesson of the game is, is, you know, doing the little things right and just doing your job. In a big game, the trick is to simplify the game. And I don't mean simplify in terms of plays called because the plays were simple that were called. 
it's just don't try to do too much. You know, and I think that's what happens. And if you don't, until you get in that game, you think the game requires something extraordinary. The game really requires, if you have the tight end man to man, look at the tight end. Mm-hmm. The same way you had to do that versus UAB, the same, you know, and, and, you know, that sounds easy, but that's why it's not easy. And, and, and I think that's where they watch Clemson. And, and with all the respect they have for Etienne and, and Lawrence and some of their other guys, I think what they saw is they saw, oh, this is a team that's playing very, very hard. I think we think we're playing very hard. Um, they just keep the game a little more simple. And I think some of our guys, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, trying to do two things at once at times um, because they've got good intentions, right? They're trying to – they really, really want us to win. Sometimes I realize that, that that actually is what gets you beat, just trying to do too much in a game like that. The good news is you've got another game coming right back, coming up right away. So it's a chance to move forward. That's what we all we have all, all have to do in life is move forward. So this is a great chance against Pittsburgh. Uh, thanks for being with us, and the best of luck against the Pitt Panthers. Thank you, Joe. That's University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz, and we'll continue right after this. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. We're going to talk recruiting here in one second with Andy Vaughn coming up from the University of Miami, Director of Player Personnel. Don Canes are back out in the practice field today and a very physical game against Clemson, but uh, they were back out on the practice field today. How'd you feel about it? It was good, Joe. I was, uh, I was glad I was able to get out there and go see them. They were running around. I, uh, I, the first thing I wanted to see was what was the intensity and what was the attitude. The attitude looked perfect, and the intensity was at the same level, if not even higher, than it was um, going into the Clemson game. So anytime you come off a, a hard-fought battle, whether it's a win or a loss, you, you wonder how the team's going to get back. But then especially if you lose something like that on uh, national television against uh, an opponent like Clemson. And, you know, I think really when you, you think about this Miami football team, one of the areas that – they've improved the most is is their maturity and, and what I mean by that is they're mature enough to how they prepare for a game and they understand that what happened last week doesn't help them and it, and it shouldn't hurt them for this week should not because uh this conference only scheduled every game becomes a big game uh, let's bring on University of Miami director of player personnel Andy Vaughn Andy good evening how are you great guys how about you we're doing fine. Thank you very much. Let me ask you this. Uh, the the University of Miami has been center stage so far this football season, taking advantage of, of the opportunities to be on national television, Louisville game, Florida State game, and, of course, the Clemson game. The Clemson game, I believe, was the highest-rated game on ESPN this year because you're getting a lot of eyeballs on the program how does that help with the recruiting with the guys that are verbally committed and guys that you're talking to? It's been great. You you kind of stole my stat. I got that from the guys right before right before we came <laughs> on. So four point six four point six million people watched that game. It's the highest rated uh, all ACC game since 2017, which is a shocker. You know, Miami Clemson in the championship game. So um, being showcased nationally the last couple of weeks and and guys being able to see. Um, what our team's about, you know, what the new uh, offense is all about. Um, and, you know, 
the guys, especially locally, but also nationally that we recruit, being able to see that on national TV. And uh, it's been great for us, you know, just with the NCAA rules about not having guys at games and, and on campus and those kind of things, it really limits that exposure. So it's been, it's been incredible for us. Andy, when you, when you think about the concept of recruiting in today's age, what have you, what, how have you had to adjust from a year ago? Let's just take it a year ago right now. And I don't mean with wins and losses in the team, but I'm talking about the structure of it, not being able to go out on the road and, uh, and having it locked down and having to do virtual tours. You guys have been challenged as much as any business in the country. In some way, in some ways we have, um, but in some ways it, it's just a, you know, more focus on things we're already doing. If you think about the guys that we recruit, um, you know, we have to meet them where they are. So we were already on their electronic devices. We're already on their phones. Um, in the past few years, the way technology has gone. So we've just done more of that. Uh, I think the biggest thing that we've had to change is obviously you miss that spring recruiting period where you're trying to pick up on the, the next class. Uh, of guys coming through the 22 class, the 23 class, those guys that are that are coming up. You miss those evaluation points. You miss being able, in the schools, being able to talk to the high school coaches and and learn more about your guys and and having those guys on the on campus. You know, definitely changes that relationship. But I think our coaching staff has done a phenomenal job of of working the phones, working the the face, FaceTime, the, the Zoom calls, and and doing all those things and building that relationship. And I, I've said this over the summer, but it's worth noting, you know, I think our coaching staff that we have now is, you know, in great position just because of the personalities uh, that we have and, the, and the, you know, how the guys are made up. Their makeup is super competitive, but they're just down-to-earth guys that, that can talk to anybody, and, and I think that shows through on the phone that, you know, they're really genuine and, and doing a great job with that. So it, it has – uh, changed a little bit. I, I think just the biggest part that maybe we've had to adjust is just that evaluation piece. We've had to rely a lot more on film and, and those kind of things where we missed that spring evaluation period. I think one of the uh, real positives of your coaching staff also is their background. And, you, you know, you look at the offensive side, Coach Lashley, want to talk, a kid wants to talk about the spread. Uh, to Coach Lashley, want to talk about being in a championship game? Okay, Coach Lashley's done that as well with, with Auburn. Want to talk about air raid? You got Coach Lakins. Want to talk about uh, different techniques, how it combines with the spread on the offensive line? You got Coach Justice. And they all come from different backgrounds, plus they've all been coordinators in their past. So that all has to help answer questions to future Hurricanes. Absolutely. You know, I think that just shows that these guys are experts in their field. They're experts in this offense that, you know, Coach Diaz has brought them in to run and change things up the way we operate on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, it's been great just listening to those guys on phone calls and on Zooms, just seeing how they operate. They're great teachers. They're great communicators. Um, but any of them can answer questions. It's not like, okay, we got to defer to one guy or the other. They're all uh, very versed in, in this up-tempo, explosive type offense. And, Again, I can't say enough about the personality of those guys and, and how great they are at communicating with, with our kids. Andy, when you look into the transfer portal, do you, do you categorize that as, as, as recruiting or <laughs> is that its own, is that, is that got its own column when you go into the transfer portal and look around the country and have the players come to try and come to the University of Miami? Yeah, you know, I, I don't, without giving out too much of the secret sauce, so to speak, you know, we almost, have kind of branched out and it's almost like you have to run um, an NFL 
personnel department in some ways. So we're okay. we have a branch that we have to work and you know recruit the high school ranks, but we're also uh, very aware of who's in the portal, who might go in the portal, uh, what connections we may have with someone, um, you know, statistically who th- we think can help us, who's a fit. So it really is is changing, and you know, over the next year, as the rules are supposed to change in, in the spring about the transfers. Uh, it's going to even be uh, more important that we're on top of that. So we really have changed the way that we operate, and we're continually doing that um, uh, just so we're, we're stay on top of the, with the high school kids and then also the, the transfer market. So, Director of Player Personnel Andy Vaughn, our guest on the hotline. Andy, when you play in a game like the Hurricanes did the other night against Clemson, a team that's had that much success, does it have an impact on recruiting in this way one everybody wants to look like a clemson right because of of their roster so maybe you get a barometer of where your roster is and two they're also probably whether it's clemson or another team that's had great success probably going to tell you where your weakness is because that's what they're going to attack yeah i'm sure coach diaz has mentioned this in, in his press conferences and while he was on with you guys earlier but i think anytime you can go up against the best competition it shows you a lot about your team. It shows you a lot about your personnel. And obviously from, from our viewpoint in the recruiting department, just the kind of personnel that we have, that, you know, what we have in place um, and then where we need to get to um, in that re- recruiting front. You know, I, I, I am excited though about all the, the young guys that we were able to get in the game on Saturday and on that stage and the guys that have played throughout the year. I think it just it goes back to prove that, that our evaluations were, were, pretty solid on the, this last class that came in that we thought could be some difference makers. And I think they're proving us to be, to be smart. Um, but, but it is, I mean, anytime that you can be on that stage, you can, you can go for those against those teams that have had success. I think it shows you where you're at um, and what you need to improve on and, and how you can get better. So that's, it's definitely in all phases of, of what we're trying to do. Andy, there's the date in Broward and Palm Beach County. Then there's the state of Miami and then there's the state of Florida and the rest of the nation. How do you how do you how do you divide it up, or how do you look at it as far as for evaluation? Sure, you know Coach Diaz's mandate when I got here is we need to we need to own the state of Miami. You know we want to to make sure that we scour that first and foremost to find guys that can help us win at an elite level. And if there's guys in that area, we need we need to uh, if they fit with what we're doing we need to make sure that those guys are hurricanes or we fight to the end to make them hurricanes. And then after that, we're going to branch up to the state and, and do our best to recruit the state of Florida and, and find those guys that are going to help us. And then, as you guys know, you know, nationally, sometimes you're going to have to go look for different uh, position groups based on, um, you know, size or, or skill level or those kind of things that we're going to have to go nationally. But uh, we want to work from, from down here and, and work out for sure that we want to make sure that we have this uh, Tri-County area and this, this state of Miami, as you mentioned, uh, covered from top to bottom as a number one priority. I want to hit you with some of those young guys, and um, I, maybe you can uh, uh, talk about them. I don't think this would be a, a blanket response, but you have, we've already seen the uh, impact that Knighton and Cheney have had in the program. Of course, Knighton, the all-time leading rusher in the history of Broward County. Uh, Cheney was the, considered the sixth best running back coming out of high school. He was an All-American. Uh, we've seen... Uh, Michael Redding get into a game, a wide receiver, and catch a touchdown pass. And then this week, and uh, we see him charging hard now for playing time at linebacker Corey Flagg, 
We also saw uh, Keyshawn Smith make a couple of plays as well at wide receivers. So you have some young guys that are making a charge, and I don't know that the fans have had a chance to see a whole lot of Jalen Rivers or Chris Washington, but those are two offensive linemen that I think have a really good future for you. Yeah, I think from top to bottom that class is is full of guys, obviously, as you mentioned, that were, were highly rated coming out of high school. Some guys that, you, you know, were maybe a three-star, maybe less less ranked. But I think our staff did a phenomenal job, um, you know, looking at the film. Do they fit with what we're doing scheme-wise? And the biggest thing is do they fit with, with the culture of the program that Coach Diaz is building? You know, I think that's the biggest thing that's helped those guys have success early. You know, and the positions are going to be different. You mentioned the linemen who are who have been great to see them grow as we've gone through fall camp and started the season. And some of those other guys are going to get in a little bit sooner. But just as a whole, those guys are all they're all sharp. They love the game of football. Um, they're trying to learn and soak up everything they can. And and they're just really great guys to be around and great team guys. Um, and they're all high achievers. You know, they're going to compete at a high level at everything they do. And I think that's why you're seeing those guys get on the field early and then have success you know and I think that only helps us in recruiting as we're talking to these guys in the next class of the more success these young guys have early on the next class coming in is going to see that and that's guys always want to play and and be successful early on and I think that's something that's it's only going to help us as we go forward. Andy not sharing any family secrets but overall nationally what are some of the things that all schools have in common when they're evaluating a player? Um, you know, I think we're all going to look for the measurables. You know, we, we, we kind of have an idea of what we want to see at a certain position. So that's going to be one of the first things that you see uh, or you look for when you're, when you're trying to evaluate guys. Uh, there are going to be outliers that maybe don't have the height or the, the weight, but you think they can grow because there is some projection in it. We're going to do a lot of that too. Um, but the biggest thing is we want to see guys that produce. You know, if we turn on the film, a guy just – he needs to be playing like his hair is on fire. You know, the, the guy has to produce. He, you have to be able to see that um, that love of the game just by the way they play. Uh, I think that's a big thing now is you want to make sure that you, you get that from guys, and guys are going to uh, be versatile. You know, you see a lot of guys now that, that we recruit are going to play multiple positions or they're going to play on both sides of the ball. Those kind of things are, are great because you can get a sense of how athletic a guy is. Um, because guys do transition as, sometimes as they as they come into to college, so um, I think those things are what we really look for. Is just when you turn the film on, is he? Can you just in a few clips say, yeah, that's a Miami guy. Is he gonna? Is he gonna produce? Is is he running around and playing? Is he tackling? Is he hitting? Is he going from point A to point B as fast as he can? Those are things that are just basic things that are important that that uh, that we look for. So. Andy, this is uh, a year where eligibility doesn't count. So I think on one hand it's great. Uh, Maybe that will help make uh, the University of Miami a little bit older as we move to the future. On the other hand, as you go into recruiting the younger classes, does it create a logjam trying to recruit the sophomores and juniors in high school, or is that an unknown? I think at this point, it's it's still there's still a lot of unknowns. I know there's some things going on this week, just at the upper NCAA levels, where they're starting to to discuss some of that legislation that's going to be coming down. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what they come up with going forward. Um, you know, with the transfer rules, with how they're going to give us relief from the uh, the initial 25 number that we have every year to add to the roster. They're going to give us some relief of the 85 number. 
there's just so many unknowns right now. We're, you know, to be honest, we, we're trying to prepare for all scenarios, but it's just there's so many ways it can go right now. We're just not sure. But, you know, I, I think for sh- this next class that's coming in, you know, there's nothing to worry about with those guys. Everything's going to be good with that. It's just as you guys like me that try to figure out your roster numbers going forward in the next two to three years, you're trying to project those things out. There's just so many unknowns. It's just difficult right now. Explain to our listeners what goes into an in-home visit, and then the follow-up would be the visit on campus, if and when those open up sure. again. Sure, sure. Well, I think that's a the in-home visits. I'll start with those. You know, that's just a that's an opportunity. Usually, as we get to the end of the season, as you get to the early December, that's when um, Coach Diaz is going to is going to go out and go in those homes, and usually with the coordinators or with the position coach. And that's just an opportunity for him to go into their their environment, get to meet them as a family. You know, a lot of times they'll have extra aunts, uncles, cousins come over, grandma, grandpa. It's just a time for, for our staff to get to know them and their family dynamic away from our campus. So it's, you know, you kind of let your guard down. What are these people really like? And they can see our coaches in that environment. It's just a, it's just another way to connect, and, you know, and, and our guys are going to go in prepared and, and know that, you know, what the situation is. Is it just a celebration? We're just here to, to have a good time and because the kid's coming, or do we really need to go in there and make a final push uh, to make sure this guy signs with us on signing day? So those scenarios um, really determine how we go in. But like I said, again, our guys are awesome with relationships and, and how they communicate, and that's really um, – there's, there's, you can't hide anything in those. Um, you, you're going in and – and they're going to be able to sniff you out if, if you're fake. So I, I think our guys do a great job going in those and building those relationships. As far as the on-campus visits, uh, official visits or unofficial visits, are, we're really close to the same almost now um, just in the way we operate. But, you know, we're going to do everything we can uh, to make sure that they feel comfortable when they're on campus, uh, that any concerns, questions, people they need to meet, what they need to see to make sure that this is the right place for them, uh, we're going to make that happen in a short amount of time. So we really cater each of those visits um, to that family, to, uh, to that recruit. Uh, what do they need to see to make Miami their home? So that's going to vary all the time, but I, that just goes a lot of work that our guys, David Cooney and, and Edwin Pata uh, and uh, DeMarcus Van Dyke go into the researching with the coaches and knowing every detail about the family and the, and the recruits so that we can make their – their 24 hours or their 48 hours on campus, whatever it may be, is impactful and as personalized to what's important to them and their family as we can make it. Andy, you're always uh, great to talk to. We got to wrap it up. Uh, wrap it up this way. We're looking forward to seeing uh, this freshman class that you put together, continuing to perform and contribute. That's one. I think they will as the season unfolds. But number two, here's how I'm going to interpret that ratings number for you when we started the the conversation. That's the power of the University of Miami brand. Hey, you either love us or hate us, but you're going to watch the U. <laughs> you, you are going to watch. That's right. So if you want to come to a program and be watched, this is the one to come to. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Andy. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Go Kings. All right. That's uh, Andy Vaughn, University of Miami Director of Player Personnel. When we come back, Don, we'll talk a little bit about the Clemson game. Also, Al Blades joins us in the next hour to talk about uh, where he's, uh, how he's performing so far, and a, a look at Pittsburgh. So uh, a review and a preview all coming up in hour number two. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. 